0: Go live bait yourself. I'm not even sure if live bait is a word. <laughs> I'm not either.
1: <laughs> Welcome back to Royals Weekly. I'm your host, Marcus Mead. And joining me once again, a man who broke his collarbone falling off a DIY bicycle ramp we made when we were kids, my brother, Mike.
0: Yeah, and if you remember right, that uh, caused the cancellation of our big summer trip to Silver Dollar City, and I never properly apologized to you for that, so big time sorry there, because... We were supposed no to sorry required, ride roller coasters, you know,
1: no sorry required because it prevented me from then going on the ramp. And so it really, you saved me from breaking my collarbone too, which was great. Uh, at the well, time we apparently didn't understand enough physics to know that you have to build up a, a significant amount of speed if you're actually going to get any air off a ramp. So it was just like a fall right over the ramp. It was hilarious, but also uh, collarbone break inducing. So, and I had
0: to wear this thing that looked like a bra to keep my collarbone in place they didn't have the cool arm sling things then i had to wear like a bra looking thing when you're a 10 year old wearing something that looks like a bra it can really mess with your uh you know confidence i guess
1: anyway on this episode we'll review a mixed week from the royals uh take a peek at their prospects as the minor league season approaches and preview the week's slate of games but first we want to dig into a listener question uh, we had a wonderful five-star review from someone named I want I'm gonna say Cybels J. It's either Cybels J or Siebel's J. Maybe it's Siebel's Jay. Uh, They're from Tampa and listen to the show to stay caught up with the team. They had a question and they wanted us to address it. So that's what we're going to do. If you have questions, go ahead and leave us a review. You can throw your questions in there and we'll, uh, we'll talk about them. We'll answer those questions. At some point, we'll probably do a mailbag or something as well to address those questions. But here's um, a wonderful question from Siebel's J. after their fantastic um, review for us. Uh, how much would you be willing to give up for a front of the rotation starter if it became apparent the Royals were going to make the playoffs this year? Also, how good of a pitcher would it take to give up Solaire and or Mondesi? So Mike, I'm going to kick
0: this question to you first. Well, that is a really good question. And as soon as I read this, I thought, well, we're putting cart before horse, but that's what podcasts are for. Really? Yeah. You're supposed to do things like that. So I was like, yeah, we're going to answer this question. Wild speculation is our bread and butter. Exactly. And it's a good question. It's definitely one one I'm hoping we're asking down the road, or maybe we don't need a rotation guy, but I don't know. Um, So I'd love to answer this question. Um, first I'm going to go with the second one first. I don't think you're going to give up a Solaire or a Mondesi because I think if those are pieces you're willing to give up at that time, they haven't played well enough to get you in a playoff hunt. Right. Um, so I don't think, uh, you're probably going to do that. Uh, it would take a guy like, it would take a number two kind of guy to get, probably give up one of those guys. Um. Can't although Solaire is on the
1: final year of his contract so you're only getting any team's only getting Solaire for six months rather well, yeah. for three months
0: right but, but, and so, but that's not the that's not the issue here the value is in that the Royals really need him they do uh, they need the him. other way around <laughs> they're
1: so, going to make a playoff run they need a guy like yeah. Solaire
0: so um I, I you, you know you would have to get a number two for either one of those guys uh, a guy that you can stack in and and, and I say a number two like yeah okay the Royals for an, get a number two guy that's what James Shields was when he was at his best with the Royals that's what pretty much he got out of Volquez when he was really good with the Royals mm-hmm. something like that in that mold and I'm, I'm trying to rack my brain and think of a guy that would compare to that in the league right now and I can't think of Kyle Hendricks maybe
1: no maybe he's more of a
0: three yeah really um uh- Maybe. Well, I mean, I can think of guys, Aaron but, Sobelli, all but he's in the division. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all the, all the guys I'm thinking of are on like teams that are going to be in the hunt too. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm thinking like, okay, maybe you get like a guy like Keuchel who's good. And at the end of his greatness kind of, but he plays for the White Sox. So he's going to be in the I'll hunt not, so and they'll not. never trade him in division. So yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of bad teams, but, Oh, well, uh, you might, maybe you go get a guy like Fulmer from maybe he's not a two, obviously. He's anymore. not a two. Yeah. Um, he's in the division still, but they're not going to be in the hunt. Maybe yeah, it's hard, to, hard Rank to think return, but yeah, you're really playing really you really got really well, you know? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's a tough question. I don't know what kind of guy you end up getting, but I think it's in the range of like a two
1: What would you be willing uh,
0: to give up for that, for that too? Oh, so, so a team that like that is going to want somebody who's close to major league ready who is a top line guy in the minors at least one or two guys who are in the lower level of the minors that are projected to be top line guys, top prospects, if you will. So gosh, who would I be willing to give up for this team? It's not a Daniel Lynch. No, it's not. I'd give up Kowar. I would definitely give up a Jackson Kowar for something like that. Yeah. You kept package Kowar with one of your better hitting prospects in the, in double a or lower.
1: Yeah. That's, that's that's the problem in some ways. They don't have a ton of hitting prospects. They just, it's Bobby Witt Jr. It's... And then the fall-off uh, is pretty great. The fall-off is
0: very great after Would that. you they give traded. up like a Coar and an Isbell for a two? If I'm I might do that too. Those,
1: I, I, a lot of this has to do with controllability too, right? So yeah. like the Royals aren't a team. I don't think this year they're a team that's going to trade those prospects for somebody they're only going to have for three months. If they're going to trade for somebody, they're going to want that person to be with them throughout this window for a little while. Um, I don't think they're in the point right now where they're like, let's go for it this year and sell out our capital for the next few years to win this year, especially with Bobby Witt Jr. coming. I think they're going to be like, "Let's if if we're going to make a trade this year, it's going to have to be for somebody who's going to get us multiple years. And that's just too tough a needle to thread. I I don't think you'll see that happen. so,
0: So you're looking for guys who are still in their six years of controllability and still, and that's probably something the Royals have to do anyway, because if you go out and get a guy who's on a free a deal that he signed as a free agent and is a number two, you're gonna be paying so much money that the Royals mm-hmm. it pretty much puts them out of the Royals price range. So, like, hey, we're gonna get him this year and pay him for the next two years at what 15 plus million dollars a year, the Royals can't do that. 20, yeah. probably 20 plus, honestly. Um they're, they're probably
1: not gonna do that. And and the issue with threading this needle is what you'd then be looking for in a, in a guy who has years of control is essentially what you'd be giving up to, right? Like, so you'd be giving up a young starter for a young starter because the only capital they have in prospects is in pitching prospects. Yeah. Yeah. And so starting pitching prospects. Yeah. It, it, it's a tough needle to thread because they don't have essentially a bunch of hitting prospects that they would trade for pitching prospects. They have pitching prospects that they'd be trading for a frontline starter, but you know, They don't, no frontline starter costs enough or costs little enough for them to get without, you know, also having this issue of like, there's just not that player out there. There is no young, I have a couple of years left in arbitration or whatever starter who plays for a bad team that's willing to give them up. You know, like it's just, Mm -hmm. it's a really tough needle to thread. I don't think they'll end up trading for any sort of starting pitching throughout this window that they're going into right I think they're going to try and lean entirely on their starting pitching and if they're going to trade for anything they're going to trade for hitting but we'll see uh I I think that sort of the value of say a Coar, a Jonathan Bolin and Austin Cox an Alec Marsh a John Heasley those are the types of guys they're probably going to be willing to trade and you could probably fetch a decent bat or a three or two starter somewhere in there, but the three, two starter doesn't make the two or three starter. doesn't make any sense. The bat is really the thing that they might be trading for. If they, if they end up getting to that point. Uh, I don't think that'll happen this year though. I think this year they're going to, maybe they'll trade for some bullpen pieces. Maybe they'll, maybe, maybe they'll trade or sign or something like that. A back end guy, um, to just to yeah. help them eat innings as this yeah. this year goes. But I, I think well, I most people them- stay pat because they don't think that this year is really the the heart of their window. They, yeah. They're they waiting for next year and the following year when Bobby Witt Jr. is here and really everything's fallen into place timeline wise. Okay. Uh, but thank you for that excellent question, Siebel's Jay and the wonderful review. We really appreciate it. And hopefully, we appreciate you listening. Yeah.
0: Hopefully we can revisit that later down the road and have maybe some solid names or some solid strategy that we think is, going to be there because the Royals are in the hunt we definitely will if they're in the hunt we're definitely bringing this up again so uh
1: so thank you for that remember to subscribe rate and review us just like Cybels Jay and you will uh maybe have a chance to spark one of these conversations all right well let's talk a little bit about last week all right we'll start with the roster news from last week uh everybody is talking about it Uh, the Royals brought up Chris Bubich and sent down Ryan McBroom that's the one everybody's talking about the (laughs) big news of the week ryan mcbroom got sent down everybody <laughs> um in another just blockbuster thing which nobody was expecting kyle zimmer got hurt and is placed on the 10-day il we do hope he gets better the royals recalled jake newberry something they never do good job yeah. good job bringing newberry back up so that, no that but, guy uh, better you know, keep a bag packed man i was gonna say if you're newberry <laughs> you are racking up so many like i guess they're not flying because he's probably in omaha or northwest arkansas but if he has reward points for like a rental car company or something he better be getting paid mileage clean Um, up brother clean uh, up yeah yeah because uh you know he's driving the i don't know what's the highway that runs down to northwest arkansas or where they are right now because he's just racking up the miles oh it's still 29
0: okay he's he knows
1: every square inch of that highway 71 Um, i don't even
0: know honestly
1: (laughs) i don't know either but whatever highway connects northwest arkansas to kansas city If you need it surveyed, just ask Jake Newberry. If you need a map, just ask Jake Newberry because he's all over it. Uh, But in all honesty, the big news just broke tonight, Sunday night when we're recording this, Sunday, the May 2nd. Daniel Lynch will make his Major League debut tomorrow, Monday, May 3rd, against the Cleveland Indians. He is being brought up to the majors to help support a rotation that has been really inconsistent and that needs innings. This team needs innings from its starting pitchers. So they're bringing up Daniel Lynch. Mike, what do you think about ooh, that move? Ooh, ooh,
0: ooh. This is me dancing. Uh, uh. <laughs> excited to see it. Not only am I excited to see it, he's going up against an Indians lineup that is not that strong. And I like that because I want him to get confidence. I want him to come in. I want him to mow him down. I want him to look good. Uh, and yeah, I'm excited to see that happen little flummoxed by the uh, decision-making that's ancillary to this, but uh, excited to see Daniel Lynch pitch, for sure.
1: Yeah, for those of you who don't know much about Lynch, Lynch is a tall lefty out of the University of Virginia. Royals took him in this, like, supplementary first round in 2018 when they got Brady Singer and Jackson Kowar and Jonathan Bolin. and something amazing happened. He gained a ton of velocity once he left the University of Virginia, Well, even at, even at the University of Virginia. He started he to gain. A he started there. to gain. He started to gain some towards the end of his program. And there were rumors that he took over his own pitching program, essentially stopped listening to their pitching coaches because the University of Virginia, my employer right now, uh, <laughs> is uh, that's where I work. For those yeah, of you talk don't know, some I'm, talk I'm a, some
0: shit on your employer.
1: For those of you, well, it won't be my employer much longer. Uh, for those of you who uh, don't know, I'm a professor at the University of Virginia, um, and so Daniel Lynch uh, gained started gaining velocity at the end. But there was UVA is really conservative with its pitchers. They do a lot of emphasis on command and not on like gaining velocity. Um, and so he started gaining velocity towards the end of his uh, college career, and then when he got to the minors, he gained a ton more. And so now he sits maybe. There starts when he sits 95 to 97. I've even heard reports of starts where he's sitting 97 to 99 with his fastball. A lot of variance with his fastball velocity sometimes, which can be a little bit troubling. Um, but he's got some just plus breaking pitches. Uh, his slider is amazing. His changeup has gotten really good too. Both will flash plus and both can be consistently plus at times. And so he is the pitching prospect the Royals have who you would most target and say that guy's going to be a number one that guy has the potential to be an ace him and Ace Lacy are the two where you're like those two have ace potential um, and so the stuff is there for him with him it's more an issue of command and repeating mechanics because he is very tall very long it's difficult sometimes for him to repeat his mechanics he'll have a couple of innings where he's on point with his command and then he'll lose it and it'll go away for an inning or two and he's walking the park right? So the thing that will be important for him as he sort of breaks into the majors is you cannot feel intimidated by these hitters. You cannot nibble. You have to keep your command, your uh, mechanics consistent and be on point with your command because major league hitters can hit 97 to 99, but it's really hard if you put it on the edge. But if you're down the middle or if you're throwing it outside the strike zone, if they can eliminate some of your pitches because you're not commanding some of them, you're in deep trouble. So I really want him to be successful. I'm glad it's against a bad lineup too. Like you, I'm a little troubled with the decision that went along with it to move Junis back into the bullpen. So the Royals have also decided and announced that they will move Jacob Junis back to the bullpen as a result of this Daniel Lynch move. Mike, what are your thoughts on on that as a decision?
0: Well, I don't understand it. One, because he's been our second best starter to this point. He's had all good starts, save maybe one you would call kind of an average start. His stuff has been consistent. He's got good numbers. He's keeping in games. And then you just say, oh, we're going to pull you out and put you in the bullpen, which I'm sure he can do. And I'm sure he'll be doing longer stints and things like that. I guess I don't understand if they'd come out and said, hey, he's going to take this start for Junis. And then down the road, he'll take a start from somebody else, you know, kind of like he's our spot guy moving forward. And then when somebody honestly, what I initially thought when I saw the news and I hadn't heard the Junis stuff, I thought for sure Lynch was coming in and you were going to hear that Keller was going on the IL for something, you know, shoulder fatigue or whatever they were kind of making up to get him right. I did not see them pulling Junis, your second best starter so far out of the rotation. Seems odd to me. I, d- I wouldn't, it's not what I would do.
1: Yeah. I didn't like the decision. I don't like the decision. I think, especially at this key point, this is a really key week for them. Mm-hmm. The Royals are in kind of a key place where it seems like they're teetering. They just played a twin series where they were not great. They lost the series. And it looks like this could be the moment where they teeter and boom, there goes their competitive, you know, their their ability to compete to win the division. And in such a key week, I wondered, like, why would you take your second best starter so far and say we're moving you to the bullpen where you're going to throw fewer innings? Now, the the one rationale I have heard that maybe makes some sense is that Junis did only throw 25 innings last year, and maybe they're trying to in some way conserve you know, his playing time conserve the number of innings that he's going to throw. So it spread him out over the course of the year. Let Give him an opportunity to throw more innings at the back end of the year. How many did I Lynch don't, throw? Yeah, that's that's a good question, right? <laughs> right? Like, How many did Lynch throw? And honestly, though, Lynch probably threw more because he was at the alternate site starting quote unquote, whereas Junis was in the majors in the bullpen. And so I don't know. I don't know the answer to any of these questions, but I do know that like, no matter what happens, Junis is going to throw way more innings than he did last year. He's already thrown 23. He is going to throw, he's going to have a huge bump in innings, way more than any team would recommend for a pitcher. Um, So I don't know. I don't like the decision. I don't like the timing of it. I would rather see him in the rotation. I'd rather see maybe Keller even get sent down or put on IL or something like that. Or Minor. if you're looking for somebody to go into a bullpen and be a one-two inning guy, Minor he's has done, done that successfully in the past. Why isn't he going into the bullpen? It just doesn't make a ton of sense to me. I'd rather see my most effective pitcher starting. Some people are going to argue and say like, Dayton Moore knows what he's doing no matter what because he gets paid to do it. Uh, the guy's lost hundred games in like half the seasons he's, he's been leading the Royals. So let's not deify him. But, uh, you know, I'm not a fan of the decision, but it is what it is. Junis, I think, will still be effective out of the bullpen. uh, But let's hope he's brought in not just in games where Brad Keller's already given up seven runs. Okay, let's talk a little bit about the week last week. Last week, the Royals went three and three. Uh, That brings their record to 16 and 10 overall. We had some strong performances. It was a little bit disappointing. We wanted four wins from the week. We wanted them to go at least four and two. They ended up losing the series to the twins that they just played. That was an important series because the twins look like they're starting to build momentum to make a charge back towards
0: the top of the division. Uh, The strong
1: performance, the twins.
0: Yeah. Their lineup is good, man. I'm not going to lie. It's I like it.
1: it, The heart of it is good. The heart of it is good. And Kirilov looks like he's turning it on. And so when you talk about going Buxton, Nelson, Kirilov, yeah, that's pretty tough. Um, Mm -hmm. But the bottom of their lineup is nothing special and I so, don't,
0: Simmons put one on the friggin okay on a ride today yeah. against a picture though. who everyone is good. putting one yeah. on a ride for like
1: yeah. um uh, and so yeah I'm not you know I, yes it's good it's a good lineup like anytime you, you have that level of talent with Buxton Nelson Kirilov they have that guy who leads off who's pretty good too I can't think his bad. name right now but I feel like the Royals gave them at least a lot. They gave them a lot this series. Um, And so, but we'll talk, we'll talk a little bit more about that here in a second. Let's, let's focus on the positive. Let's stay positive. Mike, I think it's time that you admit something that you've been sort of just hesitant to admit to yourself for so long. Never. It's time to eat some shit. It's time to admit that Andrew Benintendi has turned a corner and he is now on fire. Okay.
0: Okay? I I am not. I'm okay saying he has um, improved this week, but I will never say a guy has completely turned it around off of a one week performance. Won't happen. Okay. Here's the thing. I'm going to splice in
1: a clip from two weeks ago when I predicted that Andrew Benintendi, it was like three weeks ago. It was two weeks ago. You lying bastard.
0: It was like three weeks ago. And anybody can predict that a guy hitting 200 is going to do better. Anybody can predict that at some point it's going to
1: happen. And yet, you and the Royals Farm Report guys, who I love, were both skeptical. We, we say we had this conversation. We said it was me against you and the Royals Farm Report guys. No. But I tend to disagree with some people, including you, about yes. where Benintendi is right now. I yes. think he's about to turn a corner. I think he's finding it offensively.
0: I said, you were I skeptical? don't think he's turning the corner now. I don't think you were skeptical?
1: You were skeptical? And he did turn the corner? and he was turning the corner, and now in the last week, he's hit 471 with a 550 OBP and an 882 slugging. That's a great find. He's done so good this week that he has pulled his season overall totals to 273 for a batting average, 347 for an on base and 420 for a slugging. That's a 767 OPS overall for the season, which is really respectable, especially when you consider the tough start he had. He's played really, really well this week. So I wanted to point out my boy, Andrew Benintendi, though he does
0: need to stop getting caught stealing bases. And I would like to say, I hope he continues to do it. And if he does this again next week, I will officially say he has turned a corner. But I will never say you are some sort of baseball oracle because you said a guy hitting two hundred is going to play better at some point down the road. Am we I a prophet? He was going to play better at some. <laughs> we'll let the people decide. Am we'll I be, a prophet? Maybe. A, am I a prophet? <laughs> Maybe. Um, I mean,
1: who knows? Who <laughs> a baseball prophet? Right. Who knows? It's going to I'm rain not, sometime. People are saying. People <laughs> right. are saying. That's right. That's right. I have heard people out there. Yeah. They're saying. That I'm a prophet. I don't. I don't know. Do you like this <laughs> rhetorical move I'm doing? I just love it. I love the it. The people yeah. are saying is my favorite. Is my favorite move. Um, <laughs> but no, he had a really strong week this week. We both hope that he continues to hit the ball hard. That he continues to find gaps. Uh, he's doing a really great job. He's hitting some home runs, which is un, you know I never I didn't even expect um, from him finding that just that right launch angle because he's barely getting them out. They're mostly wall scrapers. But um,
0: take them they don't ask how they ask how many. So exactly. Mike, I know you wanted to talk about a guy who's been hitting well for weeks at this point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Carlos Santana, a guy that we talked about at the end of spring training was going to have to hit well for the Royals to really produce runs. Um, He's been consistently hitting even when the Royals aren't consistently scoring. Um So 10 for 23 this week with two home runs, five RBI, a 1.176 OPS this week. Uh, he also leads the team in RBI 21 And it leads the team in OPS with a 904 OPS. So he's driving. And our big worry coming out of spring training was that he wasn't driving the ball. He was taking walks like he does. He would get a weak weak contact was what we were seeing. And you had mentioned, and I will give you some props here. You mentioned, let's hope it's just a timing issue. And it seems like that's what that was. um, Because now he is hitting the ball hard and putting it out of the yard sometimes. And even if he isn't, he's hitting it through the shift which you got to put some steam on it to hit it through the shift and things like that. So, you know, good on him. I think he might've gone first to home on a double the other day too, or something. I don't, I he don't has know. been running the bases really well. Yeah. I mean, he's not fast obviously, but he's, uh, <laughs> he's smart when he does it, I guess. Um, so yeah, Carlos Santana, keep it up at two and two is an interesting spot to hit him. I like it because he walks so much at two. And I, I like it if Ben Intendi is down at six or seven, that, you're getting another guy at the bottom that gets on base, yeah. So, or like five, that. they hit him
1: at five today, and he did yeah, well there too. There too. Same um, thing. Mm-hmm. Really, a, a, a traditional two-five hitter is what Ben Nintendi is. That's what he yeah. looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and five Carlos or Santana two
0: isn't because he doesn't run. Isn't because he doesn't um, run, but
1: he's 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 your modern two-hitter, right? Your yeah, guy who gets on gets base on all base. the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm I like them where they're at in in that regard. They're both hitting really, really well this this week. Some people are not hitting really, really well this week. One in particular, Hunter Dozier, is, is struggling at the plate and in the field. Uh, he made two horrific errors today uh, the one, that really broke that game open. For, the first the one just killed me. Just killed it me was bad. Keller the first was one was bad. He, ready to get out of that inning. He boots a ball that was a double play ball that could have gotten Keller out of the inning, and it ends up becoming a big inning for the Twins um that really lost, essentially that lost the game for the royals um they kind of got back into it a little bit later but off his home never, run he hit a home run off his home run and that's actually why his uh his ops over the last week is 737 which isn't terrible because his slugging is 476 because every hit he has has been a home run basically but for the season he's hitting 147 210 320 that's a 530 ops it's been bad this season for hunter dozier just got that big contract that might be weighing on him. It looks like he's pressing to me when I watch every breaking pitch that's low and outside, he swings at all of them. And so he needs to really up his game defensively, especially because you can't be making, if you're not hitting, you can't be making those mistakes in the field. Like we'll forgive Carlos Santana for dropping a pop fly. Cause he's smoking the ball everywhere. We'll forgive Salvador Perez for making a throwing error or something. Cause he's smoking he doesn't the ball. do. <laughs> well, he does occasionally, uh, occasionally a little ball pass that he shouldn't yeah, do. He, he's done but it a couple times. he's smoking the ball. So he gets to me, you know, we'll forgive those mistakes. It's when you are doing nothing uh, offensively that those defensive mistakes seem even worse. Uh, so I hope he starts finding it, starts hitting it hard, starts laying off those pitches low and away.
0: Yeah. And the, the harder pill to swallow defensively for me, anyway, and I started thinking about this when he, when I saw those two airs, is that he, when he came out, he was a shortstop. And so you really hoped, okay, you knew he wasn't going to stay at shortstop out of Stephen F. Austin. But there were some people saying, you know, hey, if if he's athletic enough to go play second base, you got kind of a Jeff Kent player, right? But a lot of people thought he would move to third. Okay, great. Shortstop footwork, shortstop athleticism, plays at third base. He's got a strong enough arm to do it. He doesn't look like he has ever been an athlete sometimes at third base. You know, it's like yeah okay you charge a ball then you throw it away or it's like he's kind of slow-footed he, a little bit he looks lumbering which yeah, is weird because it's
1: he he is an athlete he, he he was an athlete i mean i know he's getting, he's like 29 years old it's not like he's yeah. 22 anymore and maybe he maybe that leads to a little bit of you know slower feet and and, and a little bit more lumbering um mm-hmm. but man he has struggled at third base um and so i hope he picks it up i hope he has a better week next week hunter we know you can do it and the Boy, good and thing he, is because he hasn't played every single game so far, because he's missed a few games with that thumb injury, if he has a hot week or two, just all these numbers turn right around and he looks great again. So.
0: And the, and the other thing is, early in the week, he was hitting the ball hard into outs, so that was good to see. Like He was having some tough luck outs, hard liners to the left side that were just getting caught. So hopefully next week some of those start to fall in, and more importantly maybe he shores up that defense a little bit.
1: If you like what you're hearing, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on whatever platform you use. Subscribing, rating, and reviewing helps people find the show and helps us build a larger community. If you leave us a five-star rating and good review, we'll make sure to give you a shout out and read a snippet of your review on the next show. Also, follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Royals Weekly. We tweet during virtually every game so you can get all this fresh insight for free by simply following us. This week, the minor league affiliates kick off their seasons. In advance of that, the Royals have released their minor league assignments. And it's exciting to consider some of these minor league rosters and where the team thinks their prospects are in terms of development. It's no secret that for a small market team like the Royals, the development of prospects is vital. They can't spend as much money on free agents. So developing their own talent to play for the big league club is important. And that talent can also be used as trade capital in the future, which is also really important. Right now, the Royals Farm System is ranked 10th in the major leagues by MLB Pipeline, so it's pretty good. Uh, It's not elite, but it's got talent in it. A couple of notes before we get started going through these rosters is we may occasionally refer to the scouting scale when talking about these prospects' tools. Um, All the scouting scale is is just a way way that scouts rate different tools that prospects have. It goes from 20 to 80, with 20 being not professional baseball quality, 50 is major league average, and then sixty or eighty is um, Jean Carlos Stanton's power. For example, Jean Carlos Stanton's raw power is eighty. So sixty is above average. Seventy is above that, and eighty is Jean Stanton and his raw power or Tony Gwynn's um, hit contact ability or hit hit tool. Also, all prospect rankings that we use are taken from Royals Farm Reports preseason top fifty. Uh, we here at Royals Weekly respect their judgment more than the national outlets because they spend far more time uh, learning about the team, watching the team's video and being attuned to the Royals specifically. So that being said, Mike, where do you want to start? You want to start at the top? You want to start at the bottom?
0: Well, let's start where we spend most of our life and time at the bottom.
1: Oh, that's okay. That's wonderful. Uh, So we'll (laughs) start with our low A affiliate, the Columbia Fireflies. We changed low A affiliates for this year. We were the Lexington legends. Now we are the Columbia Fireflies. That's Columbia, South Carolina. The fighting flat fireflies. The and why wouldn't they fight? They got to fight for their right (laughs) to fly. Um, And so yeah, and so uh, this is an interesting roster. It's got some talent on it, but it's probably it's not super deep. This is probably the weakest roster of the of all four that we're going to look at. Um, But there are some really interesting prospects, and it'll get even more interesting when Royals prospect Eric Pena uh, joins the team at some point, which he probably will. He's going to stay in Arizona to do like a uh, insurance. Sh- kind of uh, yeah. In um, and so he'll stay there for a little bit, but probably will get an assignment to uh, Columbia before too long and head there and things. He's a really athletic, really uh, a lot of people compare him. Some people compare him to Carlos Beltran, stuff like that. That's sort of the, the high potential uh, good athlete power in his bat type of thing. So, but the hitters who are currently there, who have been assigned there already um, the ones that I find really interesting, Brady McConnell, he was a second-round pick in 2019, 44th overall to the Royals, a shortstop from Florida, a guy I did a write-up for for Royals Farm Report and loved because he's a toolsy shortstop, a guy who has like a good power-speed combo, good athlete, uh, had one really good year at Florida um, before coming out. Uh, and and I think if he would have been given another year, his, his first year he was, um, he was hurt, but I think if he would have been given another year, he probably would have gone in the top 10 of the major league baseball draft, but the Royals were smart, snatched him up and got him in the second round sort of banking on his potential. He uh, didn't have a super strong uh, first debut se- professional season in 2019 dealing with some mental health issues and things like that, but has sort of seemingly squared those away and uh, still has that great power speed combo. So it'll be interesting to see sort of how he he develops offensively.
0: That's really the thing we're most interested in. Yeah, he is one of my favorite kind of hidden gem type guys in the minor league system and has been since then. He was young kind of coming out of college too. So um I'm hoping to see where he lands defensively and then that he continues to, uh, well, lowers the strikeout rate, but continues to, uh, to hit for power. That's my big thing. So. Yeah. Uh,
1: another excellent sort of high upside guy, uh, a hitter, a catcher, Kale M Schoff. He was an undrafted free agent. You'll remember last year uh, the because of COVID and all the financial problems baseball was having, they cut the draft down to just five rounds. And so I think five rounds. Um, and so, there was an opportunity to sign a bunch of guys really cheap as undrafted free agents and the Royals, because they were, had committed to paying their minor leaguers all season, no matter what, ended up signing a whole bunch of the top undrafted free agents. And Kale Emshoff was one of them, maybe the top undrafted free agent from 2020. He was a, I think he was in the top 300 from Baseball America uh, of draft prospects. Just a, a really, a guy who got really hot in 2020, a guy who, In 2020, in only 17 games, he hit 417 uh, as a batting average, 527 as an on-base, and 800 as a slugging. A catcher who hits 800 as a slugging is somebody you really want to pay attention to. Seven home runs, two doubles, 14 walks, and only 11 strikeouts. Now, that's only 17 games, and so really small sample size, but that's all we got for 2020 because all the uh, seasons were shortened because of COVID. And so... He's a guy they took who they were like, this could be huge. He could be have all this potential. Let's go ahead and uh, sign him. And so I'll be interested to see how he does. Another interesting guy on the um, roster this year uh, for Columbia is Tyler Tolbert. He's actually not ranked on the Royals Farm Report preseason uh, top 50. He's outside the top 50. I find him super interesting because he's probably the fastest guy in the whole organization. One of the fastest guys in professional baseball. He is super, super fast. Um, If he can develop any sort of offensive game, he'll be useful at some point. Um, That's a long shot still, but I love fast guys. So I'll just be interested to watch him uh, provide a speed game. On the pitching side in Columbia, the most interesting uh, one that they have there is Ben Hernandez. He was also a 2020 draftee. Um, out of high school so he's like 19 years old and he's making his low a debut that's really young for that level for those of you who don't know Uh, he's royals farm reports 37th ranked prospect in the system Um, he's got a killer change up Uh, the reports on his um, velocity are, are good like they're going up like it's going up so he might, uh, he's low 90s when he came out of high school, but maybe he's made it into the 93, 94 range. Uh, we'll see what his uh, breaking ball looks like. Hopefully it's, it looks good. The other pitcher I'm really excited to see from Columbia is a guy named Rylan Kaufman. He's uh, their 40th ranked prospect. He's a lefty. He went to community college, JUCO, for a year, then got drafted by the Royals a few years, a couple of years ago. He's like 21 now, but he's been hurt throughout most of his professional career. A lot of potential, but a lot of injuries. So I'll be interested to see like, what's he look like now? It's been so long since we've seen him. Like what, what does his stuff look like? And that sort of thing. Taking a step up from the Columbia Fireflies to our high A affiliate, the Davenport River Bandits, also a new affiliate this year. Uh, Davenport, Iowa, not, I mean, it's, it's a long way from Kansas City, but that's probably the closest one other than Omaha, maybe Northwest Arkansas. I'm not sure how long it takes to get down there. But if you're in the Iowa area, listening to this, check out a Davenport river bandits game. I've seen their stadium. I think it's really nice. Um, looks
0: really cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's really, really nice. Uh, a very intriguing roster at the high level. A lot of guys who have had some success in the minors, but maybe aren't seen as high profile prospects necessarily. Um, and some I'm thinking mostly of Jimmy govern, I think, but there are a few others who, uh, who aren't big names in the Royals prospect thing, but, uh, are interesting players because they've been somewhat productive. Well, let's talk about the sort of high-profile prospects that are going to be there too. Uh, the hitters, Suli Matias is going to start at high A this year, which is interesting. Uh, all the other guy hitters from his draft class, the um, Nick Prado and MJ Melendez, the two guys he's really lumped in with, although I guess Matias wasn't drafted, but yeah. they all started in the same sort of levels. Wave, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, they all made it to double A, but Matias is sent back to high A. Matias, if you don't know him, Huge power, huge power, 70, 75. I've heard people give him 80 grade power. 80 grade power is really tough and really rare, but 70 to 75 grade is definitely, he's definitely at least got 70, 75 grade power.
0: Would you say Jorge Soler?
1: Great comp for him. Great comp for him. Yeah, very similar type of guy. Right fielder, strong, uh, good throwing arm in the outfield, ton of power, strikes out way too much, um, way too much, even more than Jorge Soler um and so he that's what they want from him they want him to cut down on his strikeouts and if he can do that cut down on the swing and miss he'll he'll get promoted relatively quickly if he hit, comes out and starts crushing high a they'll send him to northwest arkansas pretty fast uh, i'm also really interested in nick lofton he's the number 11 prospect for the royals according to royals farm report he's a 2020 draftee as well gets a ton of comps to whip whitmerry because he plays all over the place, sort of. He doesn't actually play all over the place. Uh, When he played for USA Baseball, they played him in the outfield. He's actually a shortstop. He was a shortstop at Baylor. Um, But he could probably play shortstop second, probably play third, might be able to play the outfield too. The thing that's interesting to me about him, he's thought of as a high floor guy, high floor, maybe not the highest ceiling in the world, but good baseball instincts, puts the ball in play, high contact guy. So we'll see if if that shows here. I think he's got a lot of upside as like a, as a not a Whit Merrifield type, because I don't like that comp actually very much, but just sort of your consistent, high contact, maybe he'll hit 280, 330 on base kind of guy in the majors who could play multiple positions. I think he's got a little upside as a player there.
0: What you're hoping Nicky Lopez can be? Is that what you're saying?
1: He has way more power than Nicky Lopez. Okay. Uh, what's interesting about Nick Lofton is occasionally he runs into one and crushes it out of the park. Okay. And so you're talking, at, I would say, minimum uh, Nick Lofton has 40 grade power, potential for like 50, 55 grade power from him, because it's, it's all a matter of sort of his swing consistency. He's got a very flat bat path and so he hits a lot of ground balls way too many and so he needs to get to a bat path that gives him more line drives and that will unlock his 50 to 55 grade power so i hope that ends up happening then he could he's the type of guy who could hit 15 to 20 home runs in a season in terms of his raw power if he can find the bat path that will be most successful for him uh, the other one one i have on this list of hitters is jimmy govern i always like to throw a weird one in there and jimmy govern is a weird one right because he was drafted in 2019 out of like Eastern Illinois, I think, and no expectations for this guy, not seen as a toolsy prospect at all, but he is all production. He hit a ton in college. In 2019, when he made his major league debut, he went to Arizona's rookie league, crushed the ball there, went to Idaho Falls, crushed the ball there, and then got brought up to Omaha, to AAA, jumped from Idaho Falls, which was rookie league, short season rookie league. They bring him all the way up to AAA because they have like some sort of shortage of shortstops. And they're like, just find us a shortstop. Good he luck, kid. Omaha. <laughs> Good luck. Well, he's a college hitter. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. goes to Omaha for six games and hits 333 there with an OPS of, of one. And so who knows what Jimmy Govern is, right? Like he has no tools. He's not fast. He's not strong, but he hits a ton. So I'm just really curious to see if he keeps hitting. <laughs> he probably won't. The odds are really against him. But if he does, how cool of a story would that be? Jimmy Govern, nobody cared. Nobody cared. Nobody thought, nobody expected anything from you. And you just came out and started raking everywhere. So I'm, I'm, I'm really in his camp. He's like one of those go-getters. You hope, you hope, uh, does well. Uh, the pitchers for this team, the headliner will of course be Asa Lacey. He's gonna start in uh, high A for the Davenport River Bandits. If you don't know about him, he was the Royals' 2020 first overall or first round pick, fourth overall, a lefty. Throws sits maybe 94 to 96 most of the time with his fastball. Slider changeup Mike says less than that, maybe 93
0: to 95. It's a little lower than that.
1: Uh, but I've heard reports of him starts where he's sitting 95-96. So we'll see. He can run it up there pretty high if he needs to. But uh slider changeup or his primary, secondary pitches, filthy stuff, a lot of deception in his delivery. Um, just a guy who dominated at Texas AM and his issue will be command as well a lot like daniel lynch if he can command the ball throw it where he wants to throw it he's going to be a dominant pitcher and have a chance to be a number 1 or number 2 starter if he can't he'll always struggle may end up in the bullpen that sort of thing but the stuff is there the arm is live he is he's got what it takes uh, in terms of stuff we'll see how quickly he moves a lot of people think he can move quickly uh, through the system because of, you know, he pitched in the SEC at Texas A&M, or is that Big 12? No, that's SEC, right? They moved. I think so. In
0: mean, football, it's I think SEC. I it's SEC.
1: <laughs> yeah, then it's, it's SEC. Um, and so he's a type of guy who will probably move relatively quickly. Another guy, college guy, college arm they took in 2020, Will Klein, is one who Royals Farm Report is super high on and loves, right? Um, not a lot of people know about him, but he – throws really really hard in the upper 90s he's got a plus curveball and he's working on a changeup he's the type of guy who if you're like who's the one real dark horse pitcher i want to watch in this system it's will klein okay watch will klein see how he goes and then uh maybe we'll be talking about him as a you know fringe top 100 prospect at the end of this year or maybe definitely as a top 10 royals prospect after this year
0: mike we're going to kick it to you to talk about the upper minors for us Okay, uh, I've got our Northwest Arkansas Naturals, one of the best names in minor league baseball, if you ask me. Uh, might be the roster that people are most excited about. We have a lot of big names, including the system's number one prospect in Bobby Witt Jr. A lot of us got to see... Uh, uh, that's our theolo- theology sound, but he it is... Uh, work, work for the, th- I just want he's to go the new to short-top like, Jesus, right? I'd die for you. <laughs> I would, because I would... Um, uh, so Bobby Wood Jr., obviously we, uh, we got to see him in the spring a lot. He They kept him on in spring training for a long time uh, to kind of reward him for the things that he'd done. People were saying, hey, should he open the season with the Royals? Obviously we were against that. But hopefully your future superstar for the Kansas City Royals. Uh, he has power from the shortstop position. He can play shortstop and stick there. He can play other positions if you need him to. The guy's probably great at spelling too. I don't know. He's great at everything. So. Um, he's a guy that you build gives a around. hell of a perm. Yeah. <laughs> you build a, a lineup around, you build up a, a franchise around. Hopefully uh, that's what you're looking for. And he's a guy too. I could see if he comes out and kills at Northwest going up to Omaha immediately, because they love everything about him. So they're going to try if and do you everything see him-
1: they can. If you want to see him in Northwest Arkansas,
0: you might want to go early in the season because yeah. there's a chance that he rakes for three weeks and is up in Omaha. Yeah, very good chance there. So uh, number 23 prospect down there as well, uh, Nick Prado. And he's a guy that just a few years ago, 2018 maybe, would have been much higher on this list after, one, after getting drafted in the first round. First baseman out of high school, uh, the Royals took him. Uh, 2017 draftee struggled mightily part of that group that struggled mightily at Wilmington um, struck out way too much, but then he over, you know, we, we heard things about at the alternate site last year, Nick Prado has fixed his swing. Nick Prado is doing this. Nick Prado is doing that. Then he comes out in the spring and is hitting the heck at a spring training pitching. And we're like, okay, maybe we have something here. Now the thing with Prado is his value is pretty much only as a hitter. Uh, He's a good solid defensive first baseman but he's a first baseman. So what are you going to do? Uh, He's got to be able to hit the ball. Um, And if he is, if he can continue to do it like he did in the spring, he's got a chance to uh, be something that the Royals can count on post a Carlos Santana, a a guy that if he can hit, can be a guy you don't mind having up there for six years. Cause we're assuming that people like Ryan O'Hearn aren't the answer at first base. So Uh, Nick Prado is an interesting guy there as well. As far as pitchers go, a guy that I'm really excited about after seeing him in spring training, a couple guys, Jonathan Bolin, Royals Farm Reports, number nine uh, prospect, forgotten 2018 college pitcher kind of guy, heavy sinker, went from being a real heavy guy coming out of college to slim down a little bit, looks like he's in great shape. And um, we got to see him once, I think in spring training and uh, he got hit up a little bit But this stuff was undeniable. So uh, I'm really excited about him. And another guy I'm really excited about, too, is their number eight prospect from Rose Farm Report, Alec Marsh. We got to see Alec Marsh. We got to see him throw, too. And it seems like the Royals are really going all in on these high-velocity guys that are kind of fringy with command to start with. And that's kind of what uh, Marsh is. Hasn't pitched much to the minors due to COVID because he was a 2019 draftee, but he supposedly had a great uh, summer at the alternate site last year. He's throwing pretty hard in the mid to upper 90s pretty consistently from Alec Marsh. And I got to see him uh, in the spring a little bit. And that was uh, exciting because you could definitely see the stuff. We'll see if he can command it because he did have command issues in the spring as well. So. Yeah, he's another one of those low-key, if you want to sound really smart to your friends
1: <laughs> talking about, I don't know if you and your friends have uh, conversations about Royals prospects, but if you do, and you want to sound low-key smart, you throw out Alec Marsh because, yeah, the stuff is there, and the size and the body are there, and he looks jacked now, he kind of looked smallish, not, not like, he's really tall, but he looked kind of not built, not like, he didn't have this big body, like, Uh, Some guys do. And then he showed up at the spring training and I'm like, holy crap. Like, did he take the Captain America serum? What's this dude's like, like, what's he eating? Because it's incredible. He looks jacked at this point. And so, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what he does because he's another guy who if he comes out and just starts dominating, these are these are a couple of guys, Bolin and Marsh, who could, um, you know, who could make a major league debut this year. If the Royals are in contention and need some bullpen arms and need some guys to come throw fire out of the, out of
0: the bullpen. Yeah. And, and the other like deep horse that we're not going to talk about here, but Nefrey, uh what is it? Dark Jeffrey Del, Del Rosario. Is that what I said? Yeah, like a you dark horse? Did I say deep horse? horse. Oh, deep horse? <laughs> yeah. Deep, deep sorry. cut, slash, deep dark cut horse. slash dark horse. <laughs> yeah. Jeffrey Del Rosario is a guy that Royals farm report guys will talk about a lot. And uh, like, if you're like, hey, who's the hipster Like, pick? Who do I do to test somebody's Royals minor league knowledge? Go with that name because they're not going to know who they are. <laughs> but he's a guy that could be a guy at some point too. Um, now let's talk Omaha. So uh, Omaha, you're going to see a lot of back and forth between Omaha and the major league team this year. We've already seen a lot of it. Um, okay. But they had a really talented roster top to the bottom, but we've already seen people come up from that. Um, so we had Chris Bubic come up. We've got Daniel Litch moving up now. Isbel has, was started with the team and is now back down there. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a lot of movement there, but hitters, Kyle Isbell, we know about, we've seen him a little bit. You and I have talked about him a lot. So I'm not going to wax put a lot on him, but he's going to be there. And hopefully he's working daily on some of those things that he uh, needs to improve. Uh, Sebastian Rivero. We saw a lot of him in the spring training as well. Good defensive catcher. Uh, started to show a little bit more hitting at the alternate site last year enough that uh, they've kind of cold, you know, cooled on uh, maybe it's Valeria maybe a little bit. And so, yeah. So you're going to have him there. Has he moved ahead of MJ Melendez is the thing. If you ask me, I'll take the guy that's got a, maybe a little bit more ceiling and try in MJ Melendez. But um, I'm sure I could see what, you know, what do you think? on that
1: yeah well Melend- Melendez is the is the higher ceiling right so if he ever finds his ability to make contact with the ball if he cuts down on that swing and miss then yeah he's probably a better long-term prospect than Rivero. Rivero gives you a lot more certainty rivero can catch in the major leagues right now yeah um, and he'll give you more offensively probably even than Cam Gallagher does um, and so he has some potential I think to be maybe a lower division first catcher high division second catcher like uh so you know a a second catcher on a good team a first catcher on a not great team um but we'll see maybe he taps into even more offensively and becomes a guy who's like oh this is a guy who's going to go out like a manapena a guy who's going to go out and play great defense as a catcher hit 270 and you know be good enough offensively to be a positive three, four war player for you. Who knows? Uh, uh, so Rivera is a guy I really like. Um, Melendez is very high variance at this point. Like who knows what he ends up being. He could never make you the majors. You know, he could never, you know, if the way he strikes out is prodigious. And so, uh, we'll have to see on him.
0: Yeah. And then, uh, also at Omaha there for the pitchers, the the big one that's kind of left is Jackson Kowar, 2018 draftee out of Florida like, uh, Brady Singer, I think they were roommates even. Great change-up, working on the fastball. Now, he's got plenty of velocity with the fastball. Does he command it enough? Is he deceptive enough? Um, because as you uh, – I think you did an article for Royals Farm Report about how much it gets hit. It just gets hit a lot, the fastball does. So uh, you're wondering what he does down there to improve the function of that fastball. To And I really like his curveball, to be honest with you. Uh, he I shows sometimes – a, a real ability to throw strikes with that curveball that I really like, um, and obviously the the changeup is his go to pitch. That's his his bread and butter. But um, yeah, we'll see what he is able to do in uh, in Omaha. And there's a good chance at some point he's up with the the big league club in the bullpen. Hopefully I would hope that he's not up to make a start. If he is, that probably means that some other guys have either really struggled or gotten hurt. Because I think they would rather use a Chris Bubich in in that sort of setting. And even you know some other guys in Irvin Santana, uh, in, in, for a start like that, then bring Coar up when you know he isn't ready to start right away.
1: Um, yeah, that makes that makes sense. And he's really not. He's not like Lynch. Lynch is probably ready. I still worry about like his command, and I still worry that I would like to see him make four or five starts in in Omaha before he came up to the majors. But Kowar is definitely not ready. And so like we saw him get hit a lot in spring training. Uh, Lynch, we can talk more about like. Is, is this like a move because he's ready or is this a move because the Royals need arms, uh, the Royals, or even because the Royals are being are competitive right now and, and need somebody to help them win. And those aren't exactly the same things, right? They may think that Lynch can help them win, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he's ready, right? Like, um, And so I don't know about that right now, but he's definitely more ready than Jackson Coar is. And mm-hmm. so uh, I would rather see coar either dominate in AAA for half a season or maybe come up in a bullpen role later, but I don't want to see him rushed up in a starting role just to fill a start here or there, but who knows? They got a lot of innings to fill this year. Um, Looking at all these roster assignments, I'm wondering what stands out to you as you sort of look at the farm system as a whole and where these players have been placed.
0: Yeah. uh, Well, the first thing is that some guys have taken really big leaps, Um, you know, we kind of already mentioned in an earlier episode that Kyle Isbell has never played above high A and he's at triple A right now. He skipped double A. <laughs> he skipped double A. He's that that good of a player and a, and a human being. Uh, same thing, Jackson Kowar hasn't had a lot of time at, has had very little to no time in Omaha, I don't think, right? I don't remember. I want to say he hasn't pitched in Omaha at all. I don't think he has. But he he, he was in, he had
1: success at, northwest arkansas last year yeah
0: and uh what what the heck was the other big one uh prado prado is now going to go to northwest arkansas when he has never when he never really hit at high a he didn't hit at um, all high. A. Yeah. and so it's like okay some of these guys are moving up no matter what and some of them are alec marsh more. is
1: another guy who skipped
0: yeah he skipped low a and high a maybe he skipped both <laughs> and so uh, you've got you got a lot of guys being very the royals being very aggressive with some of these guys. And part of that is a function of what happened last year. And then part of it is also a function of if our window is in the next couple of years, you want to get as many guys that are your top talent guys ready to play in those years.
1: Yeah. The Royals are notoriously conservative with the, with their assignments and with their progression of, of, prospects with a couple of notable exceptions, like Adalberto Mondesi, for example, who was constantly moved up um, very fast, even when he wasn't necessarily having success at every level. And so there are some exceptions to this, but for the most part, they're notoriously conservative with their assignments and with the way they progress through think thing through, uh, they move prospects along. No, we didn't uh, even mention say,
0: Bobby Witt Jr. The guy had never played. I know he's never played above anything. Ball, and now and- he's in double A.
1: Uh, And so, but this is how it's going to be in a year when the team got to see a lot of players at the alternate site and you're just hearing nothing but rave reviews about like what took place there about the transformation some players had there like Prado, like um, Alec Marsh, like guys who look like they've not just got a chance to play during the summer, but made drastic strides uh, in 2020, as a result of being at the alternate site that maybe they wouldn't have made if they were, you know, in Wilmington or, you know, playing in at affiliated baseball. Um, and so that's interesting that they're, so you're right, that they've made these big leaps for some players, and we'll see how it turns out, you know, now that they, they're going to be tested at these different, more aggressive levels. I think some of this too, is a function of compression. For those of you who don't know, they cut a lot of minor league baseball t- programs, a lot of minor league baseball teams that just no longer exist anymore, or they aren't affiliated with major league teams. And so rather than having, say, six minor league teams, uh, the Royals have four. And so that sort of compression will push players into places where they may not otherwise have been. So for example, Ben Hernandez, who was just drafted out of high school in 2020, is going to low A. That almost certainly doesn't happen if the minor league structure looks like it did in the past where they had more affiliates and they could have sent him to say short season or something like that. Now I'm a little surprised. He's not in Arizona right now, but he is 19. So maybe they kind of want to move him along, Uh, but you definitely see compression might also have an impact on some of these more aggressive assignments, right, right out the gate.
0: Real quick before we move on, who's the number one guy you're most excited to see in the minor league system this year?
1: Ooh, that's a toughie. I'm not gonna go with Bobby Witt Jr. because that's just such a safe too, choice. Too easy. Like, <laughs> that's everybody's choice. Um, and so I'm gonna go with Nick Prado. Um, because how huge would it be? if so first base right now is a big question mark after Carlos Santana leaves next year. Yeah. How huge would it be if he finds that potential and it's not just the potential to hit. Cause he's also found his power stroke, which he did not even have before his really bad 2019 season. So he looked incredible during spring training. And if he keeps that up, if he, if he starts just pounding the crap out of double a pitching, he's going to shoot up draft boards. He's going to shoot up, not draft boards, but prospect boards like rankings and it could be a revelation for the Royals to have a first baseman who is that capable offensively and defensively because it's been a desert at first base ever since Eric Cosmer left. And so I'd be really excited to watch Nick Prado this year. And I'm going to be. For those of you who don't know, also, um, there is an M a minor league baseball TV service, milb.tv. And the contraction that minor league baseball went through was accompanied with a, a deal that sort of says that if you're going to be a minor league affiliate, you have to have TV capability. So there's going to be a lot of games to watch on MILB.TV this year for the Royals affiliates. If you're interested in watching these guys, you can watch them just by a subscription. It's relatively cheap, something like $9 a month, maybe.
0: Um, and you, you can watch Bobby Wood Jr. Play at Northwest Arkansas if you want. Um, uh, Brady McConnell is going to be my guy again. Uh, I want to see, What he does, I want to see uh, if he can make more contact, and I want to see where they play him consistently on defense.
1: A huge, huge, a huge week coming up for the Royals this week as they play host to the White Sox and Indians in Kansas City. Seven games, divisional games. These division series are super important because they give the Royals a chance to distance themselves at the top of the AL Central, or conversely, to Give up the AL Central lead. Let's hope that's not the case. Um, they'll be at home with a larger crowd than in April. They're starting to let something like seventeen thousand people in, so a good chance to get out, see a fun divisional series this week. I'm jealous of everybody who lives in Kansas City right now. I would be there myself if I could. Uh, so let's hope that they bounce back from that subpar twin series and take two series from Cleveland and Chicago. Uh, they'll start with Cleveland starting on Monday. Uh, the Indians are 13 and 13. It'll be Daniel Lynch making his major league debut against Aaron Savali. Uh, Savali is a 25 year old right-hander at a Northeastern, which is in Boston. Although I think he was born and raised in Connecticut. Uh, Savali's he's off to a great start this year. Like a, a lot of Indians pitchers always are. Um, he's got a 2.94 ERA and five starts He's got a big arsenal there. He just throws a lot of pitches, six different pitches that he uses and he spreads it out among them. Uh so fastball, cutter, slider, curveball, change up, and uh sinker. Uh he does this because he doesn't throw very hard. <laughs> he's he's the rarely seen crafty right-hander. Uh, he doesn't throw very he throws like 91 um, is, is the average on his fastball. So I wonder if the Royals will struggle as much against a soft tossing righty as they struggle against a soft tossing lefty, but um, that makes sort of command and movement more important for him. And he's got good command and good, good movement. So we'll see, it be an interesting matchup of a guy who throws really hard from the left and a guy who throws very soft from the right. After that, it'll be Mike Miner versus a guy named I'm gonna, Sam Hentges is his name, I think. Hentges. It's it's a weird placebelt belt name. Uh, he's a 24-year-old right-hander. He's hasn't made any starts this year. This is like a bullpen game for Cleveland uh, in the second game. Uh, he's basically a fastball, curveball, slider guy. Throws in the mid to upper 90s, throws pretty hard. Leans heavily on that fastball. This is an opportunity. Game two is an opportunity for the Royals to grab a win when the Indians have to sort of cobble together a pitching staff for that game. Um, I want to see them do well in that in that game uh because the following game is going to be real tough Uh, yeah we're we're probably going to get shane bieber he's not announced as the probable but we'll probably get shane bieber on wednesday uh it'll be brady singer versus shane bieber singer of course got hit by that comebacker that line drive uh in his last start took it off the ankle but it looks like he's going to be okay uh, and so I would expect him to make his next start, though they haven't said for sure that I think that that's going to be the case. We'll see. Bieber, as you know, should know already, was last year's AL Cy Young winner. He's made six starts so far. He's got a 2.76 ERA, so he's got a good campaign going for making it two in a row. Uh, last time against the Royals, he went he, he already pitched against them once this year. He went six and a third. Struck out 12, but he did walk four, which is uncharacteristic of him. He doesn't walk that many guys usually. Uh, he did give up two earned runs, but the Royals took the loss, 4-2, uh, though he took a no decision. They, that's going to be a tough one to win. Bieber versus Singer is going to be tough. Um, we're not sure who the probable for the third one is. As Mike said earlier, their lineup is not great, um, and that's sort of the thing that's holding them back right now. But they have a couple of hitters in Jose Ramirez, in Eddie Rosario, uh, in uh, who's that – Fran Miller Reyes, that big big dude who DHs for them most of the time. He uh so that they can they can swing it from a, from a few spots but not a stellar lineup in Cleveland.
0: After that we got the White Sox coming in. They are 15 and 12. Not clear who the starters are going to be for us just yet. It looks like uh we're going to go against Carlos Rodon who has a no-hitter this year. All right? Almost a perfect game this year. Uh I loved him coming out of college. He was the number 1 pick, wasn't he? I, was, I have I no think. idea. I think he was. He's a, a guy who's now kind of resurrecting his career. Mid 90s fastball slider changeup from the left side. So he's having a big year. That's going to be a tough game. Then we get Lance Lynn, who we roam really the Royals. Yeah, who we really struggle against. He's an older dude. He killed us in the last start that he had. He doesn't blow anyone away with his velocity anymore. Used to be a high velocity guy, but the hitters are hitting just 204 off of him this year in four starts so far off his fastball uh he's got a 182 era so uh that's also going to be a tough one um last time against the royals he dominated us a complete game shutout with 11 strikeouts so we've got to do better against that yeah that's going to be tough that's going to be a tough series we know their lineup is unreal um is tim anderson back do you know
1: Eh, I, don't I never know if Tim know. Anderson's
0: back. We missed him last time. He was hurt.
1: He he uh, got he got back since then, but I don't know if he's like gotten hurt again or not. Okay. But I'm guessing he's back. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So their lineup uh, is still really good. They're playing really, really, well. really good. Um, and so it's going to be a tough series. You know, I, we're going to kind of roll right into this. But this week, my kind of idea is we got to win the week. Uh, seven division games, and you can take that any way. You know, there's some people out there. You know, win the day. You can think of that any way. They need a four and three record coming out of this week. They need to be consistent throughout the whole week. Think of it that way. That's winning the week right there. Because if you want to stay atop the division or competitive in this division, you cannot tank this week. No.
1: And that White Sox games will be a three-game series. We don't have probables for either team for the third game. Yeah. But, yeah, that'll be a three-game series. So we have seven division games this week. You cannot tank these games. And we saw it against the Twins. It was not a matter of, like, the Royals came out and were just beaten by a better team – the Royals gave up games. They, they gave up games with mistakes, many of them defensive. So my thing for this week is play better defense for Lord's sake. Hunter Dozier had a bad week defensively. Nicky Lopez had a bad week defensively. Taylor didn't look great today defensively. He had one that they didn't call an error, but it hit off his glove right over his head yeah. that he would say he should have caught. So, so yeah, he just gave
0: a home run this week. I don't know if you saw that. Court. That wasn't um, a bad play. Though. I'm not, was just, not blaming him for that at all, but yeah, it was just an interesting thing. You don't see every day in baseball.
1: So they, yeah. if, if they want to win these games, if they want to beat these teams and show that they belong to be, they, they belong at the top of the AL central, they have to play better defense this week. They have to be more competitive in these games. They can't be like it was in the twin series where, They get blown out one game. They blow out the twins one game. They get blown out another, right? They have to be competitive because if you're not competitive, if you're giving away outs, if you're doing things that essentially hand runs and big innings to the other team, then their brand of small ball and sort of scratching out runs and victories doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter. and It doesn't work. And so you have to stay competitive in these games and it's got to be on the back of good defense, smart at bats, that sort of thing. It can't be all sloppy play out there like it's been this last week. Yeah. Um I'm looking for four week for four wins from this week too. That's really optimistic. If they only got three, I would live with it. That's fine. But four would be great. Um I'd love to see them take uh three from Cleveland and then uh at least one from the White Sox.
0: Yeah, if they only win three games this week, I want to see Daniel Lynch perform really well too. Either way, I want to see Daniel Lynch perform well, but if they win three wins and Lynch is solid and doesn't look overwhelmed, then I'm going to call that a win for the week.
1: We'll end this week. Like we end every week with our just a bit outside segment where we share something that's caught our interest this week that we're interested in, excited about that has nothing to do with baseball. Uh, Mike, what has been fascinating you outside the world of baseball this week?
0: Uh, I'm going to call it lumber watch 2021. Okay. Um, breaking news. Wood is extremely expensive. Um, (laughs) So like that—that's
1: worth—that's breaking
0: news-worthy, right? I know. No kidding. Wood is expensive. God dang! Like you and I—most
1: boring shit.
0: (laughs) You and I are—you know—we're not what you would call true like handyman, right? Like we can do. What's the opposite of a true handyman? Because that's what I am. Well, I I mean, I I like to think I'm I'm somewhat able to do it. My wife and I, with the the gracious help of our in-laws, completely remodeled our house when we bought it, and I learned a lot of things that way. But you and I both took woods class in high school. Right, we've oh, built some forgot that all that stuff. Okay, so I was going to have you and I build me a shed this summer. Right, I feel like we are capable of doing that. So I priced it out like several months ago, um, and now when I go to look how much the wood's going to cost, I got to like cut off my foot or something worse to pay for it. It's insane how much wood costs. This is getting ridiculous. And so now uh, we're probably going to postpone the shed building from this summer until I mm-hmm. save up enough or sell some gold. I don't know, whatever, whatever people do to make money so cash I can afford to buy cash for gold, go dig through, go sell my wife's wedding ring, which didn't worth <laughs> anything anyway. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, dang. Cut down some more trees, people. (laughs) Don't cut down more trees, people. Are we sure this global warming thing's really worth it, I guess is what I'm asking. (laughs) Uh, Are we we sure that we really want to save this stuff? Like, come on. To be clear to
1: our audience, it is really worth it. It is real. (laughs) This is not a Chinese hoax. Don't cut down more trees. We need them. Uh, Who cares if you can't build a new shed? Uh, But uh, yeah, that's great. I'm glad I don't have to build a shed this summer. So my just a bit outside for this week is a thing on alcohol. I I, I don't drink myself. I don't drink alcohol, but alcohol Boo. culture really fascinates me. Uh, and so I'm reading a book on prohibition right now. I just started that. And uh, the thing that fascinates me is not like, I mean, the topic of prohibition is really interesting, but one of the things they talk about is the way alcohol changed over time about how like people used to just drink what amounts to like rat poison basically or like just yeah. like this gross stuff that some random dude made in the back of in his bathroom or something like it's really like it makes like prison toilet wine look really sophisticated by, by uh <laughs> by uh, comparison or something like it's just and and they're t- talking about how like we americans used to consume this much alcohol but a it lot it was, was, was essentially poison or like it was like uh, you know re- this really gross stuff that you know, destroyed your innards. You know, and it's like, why were they drinking it then? Like, uh, you know. Uh, but I guess when you know you live in the 17th century or the 18th
0: century, you know, maybe that's all you got to do. So, well, and, and um, water back then wasn't all that safe either. So that's why. A yeah, lot of that, that's drink. another
1: thing they say. But they also you know. this is cool. The cool thing about this book is it talks about like the way immigration drastically changed America's alcohol consumption. Uh, patterns and, and things. So Germans brought beer from Germany and brought a culture of beer drinking, and uh, you know d- the Irish brought uh, a culture of, of alcohol from their country, and that's that stuff really interests me. I find that's a very interesting. Um, and so, yeah, I'm I'm really interested in alcohol this week. Um, not in the way that some people get really interested in alcohol during the week, but uh, in the way that I get interested in alcohol
0: during the week. <laughs> well, I got really interested in alcohol last night um putting a puzzle together with my wife because i'm old and that's how i have a good time these days is put a puzzle together and libate myself
1: (laughs) and and describe drinking in a very creepy way that's good Um, we've gone long this episode is too long i don't like it when they go long but that's all we have for this week in royal run royals weekly Please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. It's really important that you subscribe. We're so close to getting uh, a good number of subscribers. So please uh, make sure you do that. And uh, check us out on Twitter, at Royals Weekly, on Facebook, at Royals Weekly. And we'll see you again next week.